Hey Coconuts, welcome back to TFC's weekly market updates, where we scour the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. For our first story, is Apple the stock to buy during these uncertain times? The rest of the episode is about China. Why are they implementing another COVID lockdown when they're trying to increase consumption? And lastly, why have Chinese stocks dropped so much? And should we invest now? Stay tuned. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. All right. Hey, Coconuts. We are back again for our weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson. Welcome to a new week. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know, right? It, it, every week feels like a long week, but you know, when, when, whenever we record, it's only Tuesday. So there's <laughs> yes. that much to say, I think. We, we all need fairness. a break. Yeah. We do. We do. And in all fairness, like, I, I, I think the week moves very slowly. But before I know it, I have to prepare for the next episode that we do on, on, on podcast and all of this thing. It just creeps up on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And come to think of it, the first quarter of 2022 is ending. Uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In like two weeks, two and a half weeks, yeah. or whatever it is. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, wow. Where's the time going? How time, time flies. Yeah. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Uh, subjective, subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And I think for our listeners out there I just want to let you know that we do have some ads for you We, we actually we have it on our platforms <laughs> So if you do go past um, the MRT stations King Albert Park or Tampines West uh, We are actually on the platform And you can be able to see our little cute emojis And our cute icons And Stock Geekouts QR So if you do see that Please take a photo Please tag us on Instagram Please tag us on TikTok I think we have had a few viewers That did a dance um, on, on TikTok while, while the backdrop was there So it's pretty cool um, Cool, alright nice. <laughs> Enough of that spiel I think it'll be up until end of March So that's, that's pretty cool So first it's me, right. actually. So I'll go yes. off with the first story. <laughs> the fun start. On, Apple. Yeah, fun you start. Yeah. to talk about Apple, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am having some withdrawal <laughs> symptoms. Uh, without a doubt. <laughs> and uh, actually, on that note, I think Apple last week, Tuesday, had its event. And actually, this is the transition that they're making. Today, this year, 2022 is the last year that they're transitioning from Intel chips back into the M1 silicon, right? And so they've launched a new iPad Air with, with all of them. And I feel that it's it's pretty cool, right? But then mm-hmm. I'm an avid fan, so I'd love to hear from you, Anthony Jefferson. What do you think <laughs> of of this of this switch that Apple made? I think it was two years ago. Yeah, I have a new set Apple product, so I don't know what the, the user the, the user experiences is like. Um, I, I admit, um, but I think you know you you kind of see their, their strategy, right? Um, it's it's more about, and we have talked about this briefly before. I think it's just more about getting the the hardware to to work better. Right, or getting the chips to, to get the hardware to work better and then make it more integrated. So so they get to design in the chips themselves and, and use a, a certain I guess specific design that they like. Mm-hmm. Um and, and then you know they, they send it off to a fab to manufacture and, and all of that. You know, and, and I think what what's been interesting so far is that they have really managed to expand it through the entire product range. So so they have done the, the 
well, similarish chips, I think, from the the iPhone size, right, all the way up to the, I think the latest launches were not Mac only MacBooks, but also their Mac Studio, like, desktop equivalents. So, so yeah, it's, it looks fantastic. Um, and, of course, the you know, technical reviews are great. Um, apparently as good, if not better, than the, the top-end Intel chips. So, so that, that kind of lets you know where the benchmark is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't quite know what, what, what it is. Know, what, what the user experience is like. Have you bought a new Mac yet? No, I have not bought my new Mac yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, waiting for the MacBook Air to come up with the new ones. But I did have a, yeah. have a, have a flow with the M1. And it seemed mm. to be a lot smoother than the, than the Intel chips. Oh, cool. Yeah. You are um, Apple bias. Jeff, That's not fair. Yes, yes I, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking can't of AirPods, right? So. Yeah, can't, take, yeah, can't take his words for it. Uh, well, but <laughs> jokes aside, I think uh, the new M1 Ultra chip, um, definitely interesting, right? Um, given the higher performance, I think 114 billion transistors, 128 GB of high bandwidth. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting yeah. for sure. But uh, one thing that really uh, stuck out as a sore thumb and turns out to be a disappointment was the Mac Pro and the iMac Pro machine still does not have the update for the M1 Ultra chip. And that came to me as a like sort of a disappointment, right? You expect the mm. full range, the full suite of Apple products to be upgraded as well. And there wasn't an upgrade in AirPods Pro either. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think w- one of the things that uh, got me excited was the 5G iPhone SE, yeah, mm. which was priced really, really cheap, about 429 I mean, cheap relative to their, you know, their premium of like, iPhone, iPhone 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. iPhone 13 Pro, Pro or whatever. Whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are uh, priced ridiculously. Uh, yeah, I think it was like what almost almost two k worth. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's effectively yeah. a, a camera, and it comes with a mobile phone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to me, it makes it makes no sense. Yeah. But with this, I think it's a game changer in that sense because uh, prices of mobile phones have been uh, skyrocketing, and with this new entry, still with Touch ID and everything else, I think it's yeah, it's worth worth a look out for. Yeah. Got Sounds it. like so we are promoting you, Apple. It does. Yeah. But my, my, my question though, right, to you, right, is do you see, do you think that this is a more demand play, more of a volume play for them to get people into the ecosystem, Jeff? I think uh, we expect Apple to ship around like 25 million uh, units of this iPhone Pro, uh, sorry, iPhone SE in the next right. uh, one year, right? Similar to the previous two SE phone uh, launches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the reasons why they probably did this was because they realized that, hey, people are paying a huge premium for uh, iPhone 13. At the same time, there's a group of people that they are not capturing as well. So what mm. better way uh, than to, you know, look, create a cheaper version of an iPhone? Still good, still 5G, you know, lower the barrier to entry to the Apple ecosystem. And that's kind of what they want to do as well, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Wait, wait, wait. So, so are we suggesting that, you know, Apple kind of, is is moving a bit down market and and they make a bit they they cut a bit of their margins on on the hardware and, and try to make more on on their services and and the software. Uh, I I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think they they actually cut. Uh, they they actually cut corners on the hardware and go with the no, software. but maybe cut cut a bit of their own profit margin, right? Because because yeah. they they are they are still largely a hardware company. So so is is this uh, a bit of a transition down? I, I doubt it. Honestly, if you compare to like a Huawei or Xiaomi, you can get a 
like the same the same features the same specification for this new uh, 5G iPhone SE. Um, mm. But one of the things is that is is the brand is the branding right that Apple is yep. and the buy in that you want people to come on board on this Apple ecosystem. So they're yep. still keeping that fresh, um, just capturing that new market. You know. When you when you buy an Apple product, then you want to stay on and use everything else. Yeah, like Rakesh can testify to that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, in all fairness, I don't think that they're cutting margins, right? I, I honestly yeah, exactly. don't believe that's the yeah. way Apple Apple's going to run. However, mm-hmm. you if you look at the chassis, if you, okay, I call it the chassis because I've been watching Drive to Survive actually, folks. Uh, so <laughs> if you look at yeah. the phone <laughs> um, and and the, all of that, it's all old, older, right? It's still got Touch ID. It's still running on the older specifications. The camera yeah. is still the older ones. What they've changed is just the inside, the chips, right? Okay. So it's for those that don't necessarily need the new fancy uh, ceramic screens and and all the cool three times mm. camera and all of them, right? They don't need all of that uh, bells and whistles. They just want to use the phone for a phone, but they also still want the 5G. So I don't believe yep. that Apple is is cutting on margins. What mm. I do believe is that they have been, and, and I believe this started with the iPhone 10, is that they've mm-hmm. been reducing the number of iPhones sold in general, as opposed to previous ones. People used to buy a lot more. Okay. Right? I need to double check that, uh, but I do believe that. But they're getting more revenue because the, the cost obviously has, has, has increased. So even though they could yeah. be selling less, they're actually making more. Right. So I think that's, that's where they're going at. And if they want to gain back this segment in, in the, in the iPhone space, comparing to your Huawei and to your, uh, you know, Xiaomi and to your Samsung's, this could be a good, good entry level one as well for older, older families and all that keep in that ecosystem. Mm. Yes. Exactly. Um, so I think that's, that's one. But um, one thing I do want to talk about, and for our listeners out there, as we digress a huge much into products and specifics, is there has been a stock drop, right? Quite a fair bit, right? So after uh, the Mac Play and, and all of that, the stock actually rose up to 183. It's now currently at 151, as we're talking. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe it to be an external factor, right? As, as I do, and we've talked about this many, many times with, with the current crisis going on. One question that I have for you is, do you see quarter one being a good quarter for Apple? Do you think it's a good investment um, for even 2022, given that China, you know, has some lockdown issues, there could be some logistic supply chain issues that will hamper the, the rollouts of the, say, Mac Studios, the iPhone SEs, the iPhone 13s, all their products. And um, do you think it's a good bet to invest in Apple? Um, well, I guess, you know, Apple Apple has been caught out for a continuing tough supply environment uh, from mm. time to time, right? So it's, it's no surprise when you when you see that the whole overall supply situation might might flatter over time. Um, and to me, it's not it's not a real call for concern in that sense. Um, and you never really see it to be a call for concern for Apple as well. It's just like equity analysts would just say that, oh yeah, you know, Apple fall back on um, the the delivery of the uh, their goods and what's not. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Uh, but I think one of the things that will make a huge difference is when everyone start using the the M1 Max, right? Like like for yourself, mm. you're you're saying that is is a lot better than Intel and everything else. But that's just one one case. But once more and more, uh, you know, like people, uh, fanatics of Apple start start coming the on cult, board using cult, it. Yeah. yeah, the cult, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> right? And 
that that's going to be a game changer in the sense where whether people like it or not, that's a that's a big question mark. Yeah, yep. and I think. That that's the true test to see whether uh, the R and D that Apple has uh, went gone through with um, whether it makes sense. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the true test. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I think it's also good to know that they did actually have their own chips before because Steve Jobs was a big big. A proponent of this, right? He wants to marry the hardware and the software. That's his vision. That's really what he was focused on. And you design the hardware specifically for the software so that the usability is all seamless, right? Effectively, mm-hmm. he wants to craft everything instead of cobbling mm-hmm. it. But they did have to move to Intel um, back in, I think, 2013, 2012. I'm not entirely sure when because Intel chips was far superior to what they were doing. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, you know, we'll, we'll check it up. And with regards to the Mac M1 Pros that just went out in October, we did see the uptake, right? 25% of max sale increase, like highest ever. Let's see how it is for this quarter. I think then we will know, okay, how's the cult going? How's the, how's the fanatics going? <laughs> um, and I mean, I haven't bought mine, but you know, I'm really thinking about it. I'm waiting for the MacBook Air to come up with the M1. I do believe it's going to come out in October, but we'll see. Uh, cool. All right. Well, that's enough US banter. Let's move on to China. <laughs> Jeff, what do you have for us? All right. So, uh, great change from US, right? Well, it affects um, Apple, so called supply chain, right? <laughs> they want Shenzhen lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> and Foxconn yeah, closing yeah. factories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Shanghai going into lockdown as well. So, so, why exactly is China implementing another COVID lockdown, right? This time round, China is experiencing its largest COVID outbreak uh, since early 2020. Um, and you can see that the Ooh. daily local COVID cases confirmed and asymptomatic uh, mm. has been growing exponentially from over 3,000 cases. Uh, and today, I think, was a lot higher as well. And there were yesterday, I know that uh, Shanghai was going into lockdown as well. There's a few other uh, cities that are potentially thinking of locking down. Uh, mm. To the point that one of my colleagues uh, who was working halfway, he was like, I'm going to run to the airport now and go and catch a flight to the next province. Yeah, just to escape the lockdown. Wow. Yeah, yeah. he made the Should comment say, saying yeah. that COVID is not as scary. The lockdown it's is like scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the government has chosen to continue with the dynamic clearing uh, COVID strategy. Um, and this this is no longer the same as like the the zero COVID cases where they used to preach, right? So you have the mm. Vice Premier uh, Sun Chulan uh, help meeting to urge the implementation of mass testing, isolation and lockdown to stop uh, community transmission and dynamically clear COVID cases within the shortest time. So you can think of it like the whole Hong Kong situation where they, uh, when they w- went with the mass testing and that was messy. So imagine it's China, yeah, with bigger population so, and yeah. Yeah, but I think China China have had lots of experiences in mass testing. Right? I remember one of my yeah, ex colleagues in right? no, no, even in in twenty twenty one, one of my ex colleagues in Guangzhou. So so they literally locked down like fifty percent of Guangzhou, which is I don't know, still ten million people, and and they tested all of them in three days. <laughs> Wow. Right. So 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 that's the, their ability to, to scale as well. Um and, and I think you know we, we shouldn't think of Hong Kong as, as the shining example. The the, yep. the the Chinese just kind of see Hong Kong as how, how did they screw it up so badly? Because that, <laughs> that would never have happened in China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that 
that's that's one of the things, right? But uh, back then, it was still uh, when the economy was slowing down, and you know, COVID was a big thing. But now yeah. everyone take uh, kind of take things for granted, and like, oh, why can't I just go back to my my normal life and what's not? People are just trying to escape a certain city like Shenzhen and Shanghai, going into other province. Um, so you potentially we, we we potentially might see even more cities with clusters, um, mm-hmm. and even more lockdown across the uh, across the country as well. And I think additionally to to this whole. COVID situation is that there's growth headwinds, right? Uh, mainly via consumption, some of which we have already discussed uh, the past couple of weeks as well. I think it's important for us to watch for risk uh, of impact on investments and supply chain um, because on that front itself, it's estimated that if the Omicron cases spread to multiple provinces in that sense, then you yeah. can see that the China growth will uh, potentially face uh, an additional 0.9% drag uh, this year on the GDP. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're going to have stricter social distancing measures yet again. Not fun, for sure. We've so, all been through that. Question, yeah. right? So yeah. why, you know, with, with, with this no COVID strategy and all this, but why, why is China implementing another COVID lockdown? Yeah, I, I think for China itself is that zero COVID is still the base case that they are trying to go for. Um, mm. But the, the situation is that they are the last country, right, essentially, across the world that is still preaching uh, zero, COVID. zero COVID. And it doesn't look nice on them in that sense where first, everyone was blaming them for being the origin of the virus and everything else, if you if you think mm-hmm. back. Um, it's not a nice look if you really go so far to say that zero COVID is, is what you want to achieve. Uh, and right now, with Omicron, they, they kept it under control so well, but for some reason... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 clusters Must popped be coming up from and, Hong Kong, man. Tell you. Yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it no, could no, just no. be that jump from Hong for Kong sure. to Shenzhen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I think on, on that front is that China is still gonna keep working on this whole zero COVID, and they managed control it during the the Delta period, the the Alpha and what's not, right? So Omicron shouldn't be an issue for them. It's just that we potentially will see a lot more slowdown in the economy uh, because this whole lockdown might not just disrupt uh, consumption activities, but also investments or industrial production to some degree, given the supply chain disruptions, right? So you already have Mm. global supply chain disruption. And now, even better, or even worse in a sense, where China is one of the uh, largest manufacturing uh, producer in the world mm. having to slow down means a, a huge impact for the rest of the world as well so you think like your Taobao goods your Alibaba stuff and what's not it's just gonna be gonna take even longer and longer yeah and it could increase yeah. as well right <laughs> exactly yeah price yeah yeah. So, so, so I guess that there's two parts, right? One is uh, China's domestic economy. I mean, the, the lockdown is, is just a drag on GDP. They were already facing slowing growth, um, if, if not no growth. Yep. So they, I think that that's something that, that their monetary policy will have to kind of come in and, and step in and do more easing, I guess. That, that, that's what we, we said. I mean, that, that was kind of our, our promise, uh, not our promise, our idea behind, oh yeah, China might be good in the short to mid term because unlike Titan, unlike the other Western countries tightening, they are loosening, right? So, so I guess they, yep. they kind of have to 
chip chip at it a bit faster, and and of course, um, with, with them being the the well, not really the factory of the world, but still a very important part of it, um, and and supply chain issues you know, rearing its head, that could lead to more inflation in the US and and Europe because you just don't get goods in. We we saw that again last year with like the whole supply chain disruption thing, so you know. That there's another whammy there for um, people hoping for inflation to go away. It it might not that, that quickly. Yeah, least, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, also if you if you think from that point of view, is that with the whole Ukraine uh, Russia crisis as well, right? And how China is, you know, in some sense. I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't use supportive, but open to providing weapons to to Russia. It, in some sense, it, it questioned China, right, as a place to invest in that sense, because yep. this whole question first came up uh, last year when uh, Beijing harsh regulatory crackdowns on its big tech companies and the big real estate developers having to shave uh, trillions of dollars off in, uh, foreign investors' books, and then the mm-hmm. the whole discussion is. Coming up again because uh, Chinese stocks listed in Hong Kong and New York witnessed their largest sell-off in the past couple of weeks as well uh, right. since the what the GFC in 2008. And what exactly is China trying to do? Because uh, as I mentioned previously, we already have like weak property market sentiments um, mm-hmm. and coupled with the whole COVID situation, uh, lockdown measures and what's not. It's going to put further strain on the economy, right? So this is effectively not not good for China, right? This this lockdown that they're creating yeah. in, in in Beijing and all of this is just effectively all all these easing that they've been trying to do. What we've been talking about in the last last quarter and all of them, it's it's not doing anything. They need effectively to cut rates. They need effectively to get people spending again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, in fact, more more policy easing is needed, like what Anthony has mentioned. And mm. I think they set a growth target of around 5.5%. Uh, and this was set before the whole escalation of the Ukraine-Russia crisis and okay. the surging local COVID cases. And this target was already considered at the higher end of the market expectation going into the NPC, which is one of their most important meetings every mm. year. And right. it's very important for policymakers to you know, step up easing measures right now and it has to be in a meaningful way in order to inject some form of confidence into the asset markets and the real economy as well. Um, but given the whole Beijing's uh, market objective right now, I, I think there's there's a lot of questions that everyone is left hanging, right? Like That's why, yeah, it, it, this is a really nice segue into uh, Anthony having to explain to us like the, the, the coming, yeah, the, so the sell-offs and what's not as well. If yeah. Effectively, what you're trying to say here, Jeff, is that the, the China market is facing some issues, but they need to cut rates, which means they need to get more investment, they have more spending that's going into the into the economy, which means it could be a good time for us to invest in China because they expect it to, to sort of rise and spend money, right? Yeah, I think I think so in some sense, yeah. but uh, it really depends on what Anthony is going to tell us later, right? Exactly right. So that, that, leads, that leads to my next question, right? If that is really the case, and the US, if you think about it, right, the US is telling you, "Hey, stop spending money, blah blah blah. We've had too much inflation. I'm going to raise prices, etc., etc., etc." China's going, "Please give me your money. I need to spend more. We're not hitting our our proper GDP rates, etc., etc." The money. For me, for example, and our, our listeners and coconuts out there will be like, okay, let's put some money in China. Let's put some money in China stocks, for example. Maybe not China, but China stocks. However, as you mentioned, Jeff, it's been dropping and, and the sell-off has been quite bad since the GFC. 
So, Anthony, as we transition into the third topic, can you tell us why have Chinese stocks dropped so much? Can you tell us why have Chinese stocks dropped so much? <sighs> Where do we start? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think no, we, the 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 whole let, let let's not go. Okay, so so let's talk about China tech, right? Um, I think mm. chi- China 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 and and their local you know domestic capital markets are a slightly different beast. But but you know let's just talk about their big tech, their Tencent, Alibaba, JD, Pinduoduo, whatever, right? Um, <laughs> and and of course we have, we have a stock account Alibaba coming soon, so so we can keep a lookout yes. for that. But you know in I think you know the long long and short is regulatory concerns came in I think last year or two years ago now maybe and and it's just precipitated this this whole downward movement in in share prices I think you know we, we talk about US growth being being decimated Alibaba and Tencent I think have had it slightly worse if not as bad Alibaba is now down to 70 something 80 today from a high of 270 so that's 70 percent down 80% down. Wow. It's, 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 it's insane, right? And, and in the course of a year. So, and, and they are a big tech company, you know, they, they are not, uh, they're, if it sees what, 50 billion, right? Um, mm. Market cap. <laughs> at, at its peak, Alibaba was 600 billion. That is 10 times the size of C, right? So, so it's, yeah, 12 times, uh, it's, it's late. Um, so, so, you know, they, they, these are huge companies and, you know, it was great. But just the latest news in, in the past week, um, I think there was just a, a lot, it was just this nice storm of bad news, right? It's, it's not one piece of news, it, it's just like five or six pieces. So, so, so nice, quick, nice would have been the word I use. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's okay, right? Um, you know, and the, Anthony these Lawyer, he chose the word, he chose the word. I, I mean, <laughs> if you didn't expect a lot of these, you know, I, I think um, if you are in China Tech, you can't be in it for a short term. Lah. Let's put it that way, right? So so maybe just a quick recap of the news. What happened, you know, um, last year or two years ago, there, there was this whole big hoo-ha about, you know, US potentially delisting Chinese companies, right? That that came up again this week, uh, sorry, last Friday, where by the SEC publishing, saying I have five companies I want audit information on. If, if you don't give it to me, I, I will delist you. And, and the reality is they probably cannot give such information because, you know, giving such information is against Chinese law, right? Mm, so, so that means so, they might so, get delisted. Yeah, and, and the, the biggest one of these five, I think, is Yum China, which which operates all KFCs in China, and and uh, the Taco wow. Bell and, and all those brands. Wow. Right. So so relatively big. Um. What else is there? U.S. macro is is, is still a, a headwind, right? And and this also applies to Chinese tech. Um. Even though they they're not in the U.S. Um. There there was this news piece in, in the Wall Street Journal that came out, although nobody has substantiated it so far. That there will be a record fine coming for ten cent for for not complying with KYC and, and all of that, and they'll be bigger than the fine for Alibaba last year, right? Um. But what there there was this whole possibility. I think Jefferson alluded to just now that. Well, China is siding with Russia in, in Ukraine and there might be sanctions you know, from the US and, and EU on China. Again, not, not great news, right? I mean, we saw what happened to the Russian companies once they got sanctioned and dropped 90%. So, not not um, only Russian companies, but the oligarchs as well. Like, look what's happening to Chelsea. Chelsea FC <laughs> yes. are owned by... Yeah, exactly. Well, too bad for them. <laughs> Um, yeah, none of us are Chelsea fans, so you know, um, I don't think we're shedding too much of a tear for that. Um, yeah, there, there was this rumor that that actually circulated 
from WeChat and somehow made it to Twitter that, you know, the, the big tech companies were each looking to lay off about 10 to, to 30% of their workforce. Right. So, mm. so it's not specific. Wow. So can you imagine like, you know, <laughs> DBS coming out and saying, oh yeah, I, I hired 20,000 people in Singapore. I'm going to fire 2,000 of them or yeah. 6,000 of them, right? That, that's insane. And, and of course in China, it's again, much bigger scale. And well, this is not really bearish news. It was just interesting to me, <laughs> you know, stash away the robo-advisor. Um, yep. l- last year when, when the Chinese, you know, stock markets fell, they were like, oh yeah, you know, China's under, China tax undervalued. We are ha- having a strong Going allocation into KWEB, um, which is um, Crane Shares China Tech ETF. They, they kept buying it. They had a really big allocation to that. Yesterday, I think so. That'll be 14th of March. They announced, sorry, we, we sold out no more, right? We, we are not taking this anymore. So, so anybody who has been in, in stash away with a very you know aggressive allocation pretty much got a 30% hit just like overnight. That. Yeah, just like that wow. because their robo advisor changed the strategy, right? So, I mean, I think there's a lesson there, but but probably not mm. the, 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 the key point here, right? And maybe, maybe and a yeah, self for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, about about why 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 you know you should listen to market updates and and invest your own money rather than rely on robo advisors. Yes, yes. Sorry, sum us up, Anthony. Sum us up. Yeah, I mean, look, that that's just terrible news again and again and again, right? Um, I, yeah. That was like six, seven that I just rattled off, and and that just came in the course of the last five days. No. Um, and, and that's just been the, the way the Chinese tech market has gone the entire year and a half, right? You, you kind of think, oh, well, this will stop. And then there's peace and quiet for a week or two and, and something else bad happens. And you go, oh, wait, it, it didn't. And, and it just keeps right. going down, right? The, the momentum is, is huge. And the, the reality is there is no easy way out of any of these problems, right? You know, if COVID is a headwind, well, Sorry, guys, it's not going anywhere within the next few months. Delisting in the US is a headwind. Well, sorry, guys, you know, it's just a, a, a difference inevitable. in loss. You, you can't do anything. Um, you can try listing in Hong Kong, but, you know, it's actually harder to list in Hong Kong than the US, right? So, so TT is, is you know, they, they are listed in the US. They can't list in Hong Kong. Um, Neo managed to, but they, they couldn't raise money. So it, it's, it's been a shit show all around, to be honest. US wow. macro is it, it, still a long-standing problem, right? We have, we have talked again and again, and we will talk again and again about it, you know. Yeah, record fines for ten cents. The regulatory um, environment is still bad. It's not looking like you'll get any better. Although yeah. there there are some promising signs from regulators saying, "Oh yeah, platform economies are looking better nowadays. Maybe we can start thinking about not being so strict, right?" But common prosperity right. is here to stay. So donations are here to stay. So you know, yeah. it's like there, there's no easy way out. I think if you are in Chinese tech, you have to be in it for the longer run. Right. And what and, is your definition if, of the longer run? I think, you know, you, you have to give it three to five years. You, you can't say that. I, I mean, if you, if you haven't sold by now, right, don't <laughs> sell now, <laughs> I would say. It, it can go down more, but, you know, it, 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 it's, like, it's, close, it's probably closer to the bottom than the top. No, no, it's true. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think on that front itself, right, like whatever you've been saying about the whole ongoing Hong Kong uh, market sell-off, if you look at it um, from a more technical perspective, you can see that the Chinese investor have been the one that's buying the, the deep, right? And it's a yep. sign that the offshore marketplace isn't ex- exactly entirely broken in that sense. 
And when the whole <laughs> dust, when the dust settles, the Hong Kong stock market will sort of become more uh, domestic and retail-driven, mm. uh, unlike what happened to the US markets uh, since the pandemic uh, yep. about two years ago. And also given the fact that it's almost silly to whine about the whole market sell-off to a president who has great ambition <laughs> to reclaim China's status, right? As a great world yeah, power. True. So panic selling by American fund managers that you see is just a small price to pay in the grand scheme of things for Xi Jinping, okay. to be honest. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care about the, the whole stock market. And I think one of the lines that uh, resonates with me a lot uh, was uh, he said, the rice bowl of the Chinese people must be filled with Chinese grains. And I think that's very <laughs> telling, right? Uh, about what, what yep. his, his, his whole view about the stock market. He doesn't care. He's just caring about the real economy. And if you, mm. if you hold on tight, you, you sit on with your position in China, uh, tech or whatever, right? Perhaps you will pay off in the long run. Yeah, the, the yeah. long game is what it really matters. Yeah, yeah. I I think you know, we we are both quite bullish on on China in in the mid to long run, right? It's not just the, the easing macro conditions. It's also that uh, a bit of their rising middle class as they you know develop more, they they, they spend more, they, their capital markets develop more, they become more efficient. All of that actually will help. Um, even share prices in, in the longer run. But I think you're absolutely right. It's just the fundamentals getting stronger and stronger that you, you kind of just override all these concerns, <laughs> in essence. Or, or maybe it's just, it, it could just be, well, there's a Chinese version of Wall Street Bets coming up, right? And and, the, the, and you have a billion, you know, retail traders coming in and, and that drives the market a lot better than um, whatever... Yeah, I'm sure they already are. We're just lazy to read Chinese, so, so never go and buy. <laughs> uh, WeChat, WeChat has a lot. Uh, there's a lot of people that are uh, piling into like different trades. Um, and yeah. I think in, yeah, just, just a FYI in that sense, the, the Chinese guys, uh, the regulators have, have learned uh, from the lessons of the SEC, right? You know, the yeah. whole short squeeze situation. So they are thinking of ways to prevent that from happening as well. Yeah, so I think in that sense, like like what you mentioned, a more efficient capital markets might might surface from this whole situation as well. Whatever the US flopped, uh, China may be able to do better. Who knows? Yeah, mm-hmm, maybe since US already made the mistake, just exactly. uh, learn from it. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> so mean, we don't, that, we don't that, have that's to make this one. very very big thing about learning from others' mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm going to flip it, right? If, if I'm not invested in the China market, for example, and so listeners out there. When would now be a good time to invest? You may you say it's closer to the bottom. Obviously, nobody can time the perfect, you know, the perfect yep. um, valley, if you will. Sorry, I forgot the term. Um, would now be a good time to slowly put money in? Uh, but what are your thoughts here, Anthony? I don't know. I think you know the the whole environment, especially the regulatory parts, are, aren't mm. very promising for tech. Um, mm. So, so if you want to make this place. You know, don't go. Don't be super concentrated, right? Be be diversified because you you don't know enough to, to pick the winner, and and you yeah you you don't know enough to, to say which company will win in the longer run. Of course, you can guess, but you don't. So you you go buy an ETF, right? You, you preferably a broad base like a CSI three hundred ETF, so that that tracks the largest three hundred Chinese companies um, listed on the mainland exchange, not even not even Hong Kong exchange, Hong Kong. right? So you you literally go get direct exposure to Chinese. Companies companies by buying, you know, ETFs that track Chinese listed stocks and, you know, and you track their broader economy because the, the 
China plays, you know, medium term bullish or long term bullish on the broader economy and not necessarily only technology, right? Mm. So, so I think you know, and then all all that is just a longer way of saying that it's very risky. We don't know what we don't necessarily know what we are doing. We don't necessarily know what will happen. So, minimize your risks. You know, stick as close to the story as possible. Right. Of course, you can always, you know, I think people like playing, placing bets on Alibaba, right? Um, 270 right. to 80. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Why would you never buy it? But, you know, I, I think, and you look at the price of sales is what, three or 1.5 or something like that. Price to book is, is insanely low. Um, and you go, well, th- this is a value stock. Yes. But, you know, value, have value stocks depend on being reversion to, to realize their value. Right. And you, don't know realistically if this will ever end, right? You you don't know if common prosperity really becomes a thing and the, the Chinese government two years down the line says all platforms can only make a certain profit margin, right? Once, once they are a certain size. And if they do ever do that, your value is no longer value because your, your upside is capped. You know, I mean that—that's the obvious worst case. Uh, not not even the worst case. One of the worst cases. But the, the the whole regulatory environment is so uncertain that you just go, uh, yeah, it it's it's probably not going to be like the U.S. So you shouldn't use the U.S. lens and the U.S. comparisons to to you know judge your China tech, right? Think I mean it's already done so bad. Think about it as very very risky and and you know diversify out. I would say. Got it. Jeff, but what yes, do we think? Buy. I, I have been buying, so yes, please buy. You have been. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's it's interesting. For for me, when I look at uh, China equities, right, there's there's two there's two aspects to it, which is one is onshore and one is offshore. Offshore being uh, Hong Kong, right? Or or some of the equities that are listed in the US as well. So for me personally, I feel that uh, if you look at the, the Chinese equities that are listed in the US or Hong Kong, they are reaching a level where it's, a, it's hitting a technical rebound, uh, mm-hmm. which really means that after dropping a lot, then you start seeing the short-term uh, price having an upward movement in that sense. But as for how long it's going to last, it, it's, it, it might only last you maybe a, a max of one month per se. Uh, but who knows? Yeah, so for, for me, I think that uh, if, you, if you like to buy in some sense to make a quick buck uh, or very short-term play, yeah, then you can look at maybe more of the offshore equities in China, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas if, you look, if, you, if you're looking to hold and what's not, then maybe you can try to buy something on the onshore, onshore market. That's, that's something that uh, will you know, secure your... Um, you, you, secure, you, you lock in your profits in that sense. Yeah. But personally for me, I will always choose to, uh, I always choose China over Hong Kong um, mm-hmm. to buy stocks and keep it the future because Hong Kong to me is a place of financial war, right? So mm-hmm. whenever you have the, the issue between uh, China and US um, and you, you want to avoid having to be, to be crushed, right? When these two elephants fight, then one of the ways is yeah, just get out of the Hong Kong market for for now, and that that has always been my play. Uh, yeah, so I think in in that sense, oh, yeah, just just look, just think about what what kind of strategy you wanna you wanna roll with, or best if you're not certain, just hold cash first, and then when things <laughs> start to become a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable for yourself, then yeah, and depending roll on your risk profile, yeah. got it. Yeah, exactly. 
Cool. Awesome. Thanks, folks. Uh, I think that's that's valuable for me, who's not invested in China. So, uh, And I'm sure to, to some of our coconuts out there that are probably looking at other investments, right? because the US is honestly very, very volatile um, at this well, point in time. Well, I mean, or, look, uh, Alibaba and Tencent dropped 10% today, right? So that's each. true. So, so you know, they, they, are, they, they are behaving like they are C, even though their market cap is 10, 12 times bigger. Yeah, so I, exactly. I don't know if Hong Kong is less volatile. China, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I mean, uh, yeah. Awesome, folks. All right. Thanks so much uh, for taking the time. Uh, Coconuts, hope you had a, a good listen. Uh, let us know if you like any of these topics. We're happy to dive deeper as well, yeah? But signing off, and we'll see you folks next week. Bye. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh. And trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.